Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Roka Report podcast in association with the Southern Community Soup Kitchen. It's Gav back after the Shrewsbury game. We won 2-1. If you turned your TV off earlier, you might have thought we'd lost, but no, we did. We won 2-1. Two late goals to send us through into the next round of the Cup. Join me today to talk about it is Chris Wynn. Hiya, mate. Evening, Gavin. It's um, a strange one. We were saying just off there, or you were saying just off air there, that you were briefly considering sending us a text to say <laughs> should we just not bother because at 1-0 down you know 1-0 away at Shrewsbury in the third round of the FA Cup you're probably thinking there's not much to talk about is there but then Sunderland did a Sunderland didn't and uh, came to life as we did often against League One teams last season managed to get two late goals just some brief thoughts on the performance and what did you think about the way we played do you think we deserve to go through the end well, we might come on to performance, but just the game in general. I, I don't know about you, but it just, it, it so much just reminded me of the last four years in League One. Yeah, reminders of the last, both games against Shrewsbury <laughs> last season were exactly like yeah. that. So, yeah. It just took us back to horrible, horrible afternoons in horrible places with watching horrible football. <laughs> and it just it just took us back to that time, and it's it, it, it could have been it could have been any away game almost in the last four years where we've played teams who realise they're playing a better side and just sit on the edge of their box, and and that's what Shrewsbury did. I mean, Cottrell's no mug to be fair, you know. Christ, what was it twenty almost twenty years ago? He was assistant manager of us, you know. He's been around the block and he he knows how to set teams up, and and that's what he did. I mean, I think. Like a minute into the second half, they were wasting time. It was yeah. that sort of game. Yeah. That, that's as, but the thing is, the third round of the FA Cup. I mean, so many times, like you come up with games like this, and it's just a horrible game in a horrible place. And sometimes you've just got to get through it, no matter what. And like I said, I mean, it, <laughs> from the emotions were a bit bizarre during injury time because it was like, oh, we're getting beat. Ah, oh, who cares? Yeah. And then we equalise, and then we go, oh, oh shit, we've got to replay. <laughs> that's not good and then then we get the winner and go yeah brilliant we've won <laughs> so it went, it went from yeah who cares oh shit don't want to replay it and, and then we win but yeah just it, just weather horrible just everything about it I don't think the players really particularly enjoyed it and actually I mean once we get into it we'll, we'll talk about it more but Tony Mowbray looked a bit pissed off on, on the sidelines at the end but I suppose we'll get into it yeah on Shrewsbury I think that first five minutes where they were totally on top I know it's hard to sustain that level of performance and I wouldn't have expected them to be able to do that as the lower league team in the game to be able to play like that for 90 minutes but to me that was the best they played if they'd been able to have another couple of spells in the game like that then they might have won but they were pretty unambitious it, it did remind us of the game at the Stadium of Light earlier last year when it took a late winner I think it was Nathan Broadhead wasn't it who scored right at the death in that game to win it. It reminds us of that because they turned up at the Stadium of Light, didn't really look like they wanted to win, you know, had recognised that they were the weaker team, so just stuck pretty much everybody behind the ball. And I can sort of understand why teams do it, but Shrewsbury know better than most. Like If you do that against us, we will break it down eventually. I know we left it as late as possible to do it, but I think in the end, you know, they got what they deserved and... Let's be honest, and we'll get into this when we talk about the game more, but if it wasn't for the referee and their goalkeeper, it could have been a totally different game. So I think if they'd been a little bit more ambitious, then they might have won it. But 
you know, credit to our players that they never gave up. It's something we've seen, and you, you just said it there, you know, we've become accustomed to playing teams who play this way, and we know that being slow and ponderous and sitting off a little bit doesn't really work. You've just got to keep plugging away until eventually you break through. And I know sometimes you need a slice of good fortune and good luck and things go against you, like the referee decision, again, which we'll come on to, but... Yeah, credit to the players. They never gave up. Credit to the lads who came off the bench, the ones who didn't start, who came on, all made an impact. And I think we deserve to be through. There can be no complaints from Shrewsbury's side, I think. You're right. It is frustrating to watch us play <laughs> against a team who just do that. I hate, I hate to watch it. It must, it must be awful being a fan of them teams, watching your team do that. And th- their fans in the ground weren't pleased with the way they capitulated late on because they've probably seen it coming a mile off. Because yeah. we had been building up to a goal for quite a while, and I mean, it doesn't always happen in the way that it did, but I think we deserved it. Yeah, the whole coming out the blocks the way Shrewsbury did. I mean, it is about Steve Cottrell that because of the way that his management style. I remember when he was at Sunderland. You know, some of the players have told stories about Cottrell being that wind-up merchant before kickoff, where he gets the players right up for the game and they go out wanting to run through brick walls. I think he did something with a did something with a wooden plank he smashed it in half either with his head or his hand or, or whatever he did just to kind of get, almost trying to get the players g'd up and, and all this sort of stuff but I think he did that with Shrewsbury and he was like this is a massive game this is a massive game and I think it surprised us we just it felt a little bit similar to Blackpool the last game we had where it took us till the second half to wake up it was kind of that game of two offs we came out kind of slow a bit sluggish I mean, we were kind of neat enough, but there was absolutely no tempo at all, just like there wasn't in the, the first half of Blackpool. And Cottrell just, I think maybe he'd had a look at that, I don't know, but he got them believing this was a big game. I mean, to be fair, though, that's their third game in the competition. So, you know, fourth round for Shrewsbury Town is massive. So it was a massive game to them. For us, we've probably got, you know, bigger fish to fry this season. But yeah, they came out the blocks, they went for us. And again, even though they defended deep, which we'll probably come back to all the time because that's where the pattern of the game went. Again, I just don't think we had enough tempo and it was probably the mentality of the players were how how much were they up for it, how much in their own minds, how high is the FA Cup in terms of priorities. And like I say, it didn't seem like Mowbray was happy with the performance. I mean, it'll be interesting. We haven't seen his post-match comments yet. We might be getting those as we speak, but he didn't look happy throughout the performance. But like you said, they kept plugging away. And the good thing about it, we kept playing the way we play. We didn't change that. We didn't think, right, well, actually, we'll start pumping it long to Stewart and we'll just knock balls into the box from, you know, long 40-yard diagonals. We kept popping it about in the edge of the box and, and pretty much both goals came from that. I mean, we got rigged down on the left to win the corner and then the last one was a nice passing pattern and then it ended up with 0-9 and it, they finished and did his thing. We'll, we'll come back to that. But yeah, it, it kind of boarded well that we kept doing what we were doing and in the end it worked. But yeah, Shrewsbury, as soon as they got the goal and had something to hang on to, it was right, you know, yeah. backs against the wall, you know, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, any surprises with the team selection? I think... To me, it was pretty yeah. much as expected. I don't know. I think he he toyed with the idea of starting Stewart. He mentioned it in his press conference. I don't know if you heard that. But he said that he'd been talking to Ross Stewart and Ross Stewart really wanted to start the game. And in Mowbray's mind, he had to deliberate over whether to start him and risk him potentially. But then also, the, he's, he's got the player asking to play. And he's also got in his mind, well, we don't have a midweek game, so we don't play again until next week, so why, why not use him? So Stewart was on the bench... Clark was on the bench. Patterson was on the bench. Other than that, pretty much everybody started who I thought would start. Yeah. Well, it's funny because I originally saw the the starting lineup and thought we've kind of put out a stronger team than I thought we were going to put out. But when you looked at the bench, you actually thought, well, actually, who would he put in? I mean, mm-hmm. the only things you could think of is say, well, you know, to rest players, does he actually take Hume out and, and put Gooch in? But as we said on the last pod, I think it's good that Hume's getting more minutes on the pitch. He's getting yeah. better. He was, bril- he was brilliant again, wasn't he? He, yeah. he, was, he was brilliant again. And then, but apart from Clark and Stewart, who I don't think it was a bad thing to give uh, Bennett a game and, and put him in. And, and I don't think it was a bad thing to have Stewart on the bench. I think that was a good decision. Patterson as well, that was an obvious one. But the rest of them were kind of young lads. And yeah. the only alternative to the starting eleven that he had was actually just putting young kids in, which I don't think we really want to do with Shrewsbury. So, yeah, as you said, I mean, initially I thought 
he's put out a really strong side, but when I when I really looked into it, I thought didn't have much alternative really. No, I'm, I mean, who who else was there really? I, I know Leon Diaku. Most of us were expecting him to play. He wasn't anywhere near the team. He was spotted on Instagram with his parents last night, so he's obviously not part of the squad. Don't know why. Maybe we'll find out. Is he leaving? Is he injured? We haven't got a clue. Yeah. Yeah, There's something in that yeah, because to not so. play to not play a striker to to take our only striker out, and if if Diaku's got any any thoughts about being, you know, a, a makeshift striker or someone who plays on the forward line, and we're in a game where we're making changes and wanting to rest players, and he's not involved in the squad altogether, there's a reason for it. He's either yeah. taking a knock, he's he's off. Or, you know, he's asked for leave to if he's with his family or whatever. But there's a reason for it because otherwise, if he's been involved in the first team squad in league games, I don't understand why he wasn't involved today. There's a reason behind that somewhere. Yeah, maybe by the time this pod drops, we'll find out. We don't know. But um, yeah, the bench had uh, Carney, the goalkeeper. We also had Patterson on there, which was a bit weird. I noticed them, one of the one of the rote report lads who was down there had spotted that the goalkeepers were warming themselves up before the game. <laughs> so maybe Patson was just there to do that. We also had Chris Rigg, who came on to make his debut, youngest ever outfield player for Sunderland, had an impact in one of the goals. And then the rest of the bench was Kocher. Sorry, I don't know these lads at all. These are new names to me. So Kocher, Middlemass and Watson, all from, I presume, the under-18s team or the under-16s. And uh, Lyndon Gooch, who you were right what you just said there about Hume. You know, there was probably the option there to put Gooch on the pitch. But do you take Hume out really at the minute? Because he's he's on a bit of a roll. And that's something that, with, especially with young players, you, they can't build up any momentum. They can't improve. I think you said this the other day. I can't remember which player you mentioned. It might have actually been Hume where you said about, you know, he's a case for giving young players a, a run of games to improve. It was Hume. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Hume, to me, is the way he's playing, you can't drop him. But it was interesting that Gooch never got on at all. Maybe he's not 100% fit, we don't know. But yeah, I was pretty happy with the team selection. I think it was as expected. He could have started Stewart, but there was no real need to because I think one of the other things is that probably gets overlooked a little bit is we are really a, a team who kicks into life normally in the last half an hour of a game. So that sort of possession-based style of football that we tend to play, for an hour or so, it's just about getting control of the game and then maybe looking after an hour to change the tempo. There's a familiar pattern with all of our games this season and that seems to be it. We get to around about 60 minutes, 65 minutes, tweak something and to be fair, it normally works in our favour. So I'm guessing that was the thinking behind it. Plus, we've probably played just as many games with a false nine this season as we have with a striker. So this isn't an unfamiliar system. These lads have all played, pretty much all of them have played with a false nine. They know the system. They know how to work it. And we probably always intended to bring Stuart on for the last half an hour, I would have thought. So there was nothing strange about the shape, really, other than really O'Neill played... I don't know if he played left-back or left-centre-half. It was strange. When we had the ball, we, the shape was very different. And Bennett would occasionally drop in at left back, but then when we had the ball, he was at the other end of the pitch. So it was quite a fluid system. I think knowing what we know about Mowbray's relationship with Bennett, he probably didn't get too many instructions out there to him. It was probably just a you know very basic instruction on what to do. But it, we didn't confuse things too much. It was a familiar system, and we we were all right. But I mean, the first five minutes. Let's go on to the game, Chris. The first five minutes. Of the game, we're all Shrewsbury. Were you fearing the worst at that point, or did you just think this is just to be expected because it's they're the home team, they're the underdogs, they're going to come at us a little bit? What was it? Do you think? Yeah, like I said earlier, I just thought it was Shrewsbury came out with that kind of cup tie kind of mentality, and I think Sunderland players will have probably heard the Shrewsbury dressing room, you know, because like I said, it, it was a massive game for them, and and it, it's weird, isn't it? Because it it's another example of how the mentality of us as a club has changed as well and, and almost people's perceptions of us as well because, you know, the last couple of years, you know, when we've played Shrewsbury in the league, it's been, oh, yeah, well, we go to Shrewsbury. But it's almost felt like we've been on a, not on an even footing, but it's not felt like a massive club against a smaller club. And today in the Cup, just a year later, it had the feeling like we'd made changes and we were going to a smaller club where, 
you know, were we that bothered? And Shrewsbury were really up. And it felt like Shrewsbury wanted to take a scalp. They would feel like, oh, mm-hmm. you know, it would almost be a bit of a, you know, not a giant killing result, but a bit of an upset if they if they knocked us out the cup. And it was one of them where we just kind of had to ride it out. They were just, they were at home. They had, you know, they, they went out to get an early goal. So they had something to hang on to. But yeah, they came at us, but did they really, I mean, they put us under pressure, but they didn't really create anything. And uh, they hit the bar very early on. I think it was Lee here, the centre mid, hit the bar, and I think there was a shot went wide, but it wasn't. It wasn't sustained. It was five minutes. Yeah, it yeah. it wasn't like a create. It wasn't like a chance they created where you thought, oh yeah, they should have scored that. That was a really good. No, chance. it was. It was just but clever, wasn't it? That's all that was. Yeah, yeah. But at the same time, during that period, even though we were under pressure, you couldn't help but watch the game and go. Yeah, but Shrewsbury are a bit crap, aren't they? And mm-hmm. we're going to start playing at some point. So, to be honest, I wasn't because they, they didn't look like scoring. So, I wasn't that concerned in that early period. No, me neither, to be fair. I think um, there was a feeling about the sort of first five minutes where I was thinking, how much do we really want this? You know, yeah, it was yeah. the, we, a couple of the players were trying to get on the ball and giving away a possession or just getting sort of muscled off the ball. But it, it, don't get us wrong, I'm not, I'm not complaining. I think, I think we sort of got over that very quickly. Probably after five, six minutes, it was all us. You know, they never had another spell in the game. And what was good was we rode through that because young players can fold very quickly. We've seen it even this season. The Cardiff game is the one that comes to mind when we played Neil and Bart together in the middle. And it just didn't work. And sometimes when things are getting on top of young players, they do fold. But I think what we did see, we saw Dan Neil take quite a lot of ownership in the middle Michu got on the ball, which, to be fair, it was a perfect game for probably Michu and Barr in particular because, and, and Bennett actually, because Shrewsbury never really came at us, they sat back. And if you're a young player, a ball player, that's all you want. You want a team to sit back because it means you've got loads of time on the ball, you can move it quickly, you can do whatever you want pretty much. Mm. And Michu had plenty of touches of the ball. I thought he, him and Neil complement each other really well in those situations where the other team lets us have the, have the ball because... Mm. They're both very good on the ball and it makes the job of the rest of the players around them so much easier because they go searching for it. The wide players stay wide. They don't have to come searching for the ball when they've got it and they're moving forward. The only thing we were really lacking was a striker, which we'll probably come on to. But as the the game grew, we got better. And then there was probably the most um, controversial moment of the game, which was the decision not to award a penalty to us when Patrick Roberts was fouled in the box, clearly fouled in my opinion. The referee, we've seen a couple of angles now. The first one that they showed on TV was difficult because there was a player in the way. They then showed another one, which was a bit more conclusive. And then some fan footage on Twitter emerged from the away end where he's clearly taken off his feet. The ball doesn't change direction. The Shrewsbury player doesn't touch the ball whatsoever. You could say that Roberts goes to ground a bit dramatically, but he is t- I mean, he's completely wiped off his feet. It's it's a foul. And instead, the referee gives a yellow card. How did you feel at the time when you saw that? As, uh, my opinion sort of changed from when I initially seen it to when I saw the better replay. Initially, I was like, oh, I don't know, he might have dived there. And then when I'd seen it, I was, I was raging. But, you know, how did you feel? <laughs> Again, bit of a bit of a range of... Uh kind of thoughts of it because when I first saw it I thought penalty I shout a penalty when I saw the first replay I went oh he might have dived there and it was hard to tell that one replay was it was a crap angle but the one thing you can say from whatever angle you see that is Roberts didn't help himself I think basically Roberts sold the idea that it was a dive for the referee and the referee kind of went for it because because of the way Roberts kind of flung himself to the ground. Yeah, it's it's the head going and back and the hands in the air, isn't it? I mean, it just yeah. it had the feeling, it had the feeling, it had the look of a dive. Yeah. And regardless of what happened, the referee just he kind of saw that, and I think he just kind of latched onto it. The Shrewsbury defender had a probably predictable reaction, and and he was going mad about Roberts like diving, but Roberts sold the decision to the referee, and the referee just saw it. Yeah, it might have been, it might have been, but Roberts didn't really help himself. I think the ref's got a great view of it, though. That's the only other thing, you know. You, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at it again here, and he's looking right at it. So, I get that. I, I mean, I've been a referee, certainly not at this level, but I've been a referee, and I know how tough it is to make a decision in a split second. 
but the linesman's looking. The linesman isn't too far yeah. away either, you know. So the linesman's behind them, isn't it? Yeah, the linesman's yeah. on so that side. The linesman's probably got a better view of it than the ref, actually, in that yeah. in that sense. Yeah. But I, I think quite often in those situations when players go down and refs decide not to give the penalty, we'll be sat as fans sat there going, "Well, book them then. Why have you not booked them?" And you know, <laughs> I, I can sort of understand it, but. Selfishly, haven't seen a better angle of it. I think he's ballsed up there. But you're right. I think it's a tough one, isn't it? You could sit and debate this all day. Has yeah. does it matter if Roberts has been a bit dramatic if he's actually been fouled? You know how are you meant to react when you get fouled? I don't know. It's a tough one, isn't it? You, just, you, you, you <laughs> no. sort of. But at the end of the day, you, you are relying on a, a pretty. Na- I mean, was it, it? It was Scott Oldham, the referee, who has been terrible for us in the past as well, though. So I'm I'm not surprised that he got the decision wrong either. You know, we could we could sit and debate this all night. I think importantly, it was a foul and we didn't get it. So just on the ref, I actually thought, especially in that second half, that Shrewsbury had more of a case to be a bit miffed off with a referee than than us. I mean, yeah. it's that big decision. But to be honest, I've got a bit of sympathy for the referee on that on the Roberts penalty because, like I said, I think. It kind of had the feeling of a dive, even though mm. it might not have been. But actually, all the 50-50s and things like that. I mean, there was one point the ball went out for a throw-in, and the referee clearly did not have a clue which way. The, the, and the linesman wasn't on that side. And the referee took ages. And in the end, he just gave it to us. <laughs> and and I, I think a few times it really got... <laughs> he, he, was getting, uh, he was getting some pelters off the Shrewsbury players because uh, he, he just seemed to be... I think there was Bailey Wright on the touchline at one point seemed to fling himself down onto the ground to win a free kick, and the referee blew, and I was I was chuckling at that point. <laughs> so, to be fair, I, th- I think we got most of the decisions today for once. Well, maybe someone told him at half-time that he got that wrong, because that does happen. It does happen when yeah, the refs go in at half-time. Someone's like, or oh, shows them a replay, like, look, you got that wrong. And it, they, they do tend to referee slightly differently when they realise that they've made a mistake. You do seem to get more of the 50-50 decisions, so I don't know. But I think um, given that we'd been so good in the first half, we were a little bit unlucky to go in nil-nil. It was one of them where, you know... Really? Where, I think so, yeah. I think I think you we were unlucky. Well, yes, OK, we had most of the play, we, we passed it on the edge of the box, but what did we create, really, in that first half? Well, I'm just talking specifically about the penalty, really, you know. If he gets the decision right, that's one-nil, uh, isn't it, you know? Well, yeah, but I'm, I'm still... Well, I'm still not... 100% I mean I'm still on the fence about it I mean it probably <laughs> is more of a penalty but it, you know to me, it's I don't de- blame the referee I mean I don't blame the referee for not giving it because I, I wasn't sure and, and yeah, I saw but it you, you, even you, on the replay had, I wasn't yeah, sure yeah but, but you and me just had a TV camera he was stood what seven yards eight yards away from when it happened I mean I, th- I think we were unlucky, to be honest. I think I think you know if if we get the penalty and we score, it's a different game, isn't it? We don't then have to score too late. When, but but you can't get every decision either. We don't have VAR. We don't, and that's another thing. I mean, we could sit and talk about refs and VAR and all that all day. But there was games at this stage of the competition which had VAR. So had yeah. like I, like I watched the game Friday night and they they had VAR. In this, mm. if we. I mean, how does that work? How can you have some games that have VAR? So let's just say this game had VAR, right? And that gets given, and we go through. It's a different game. You know, say, let's say we win 1-0 and it's just the penalty. Let's just say that, for instance. Or the other side of the coin is, we don't get the penalty. Shrewsbury score that goal. We don't get back in the game. We go out. You've got games in this round of the competition where decisions have been given by VAR to benefit teams who've been robbed by a ref or a linesman, and then you've got us on the other side of it who are out, who miss out on the prize money, the prospect of a, of progression, because we don't have the benefit of VAR. I don't understand why it, it should be an either-or situation, surely. So that, that that that's another thing, isn't it? You know that, that decision with the benefit of VAR, you get the penalty. You know, I, I don't get it. and I'm sure there's been a, a potted explanation for why that's happened, but... I don't get it. I mean, I, I completely agree. Uh, you know, there's there's that side of it. I completely agree. But just on the point of that first half going in goalless at half time, okay, there's there's that decision we can lean on. But I wouldn't say we were unlucky just based on one decision. I actually think we just didn't create anything in that first half. We did we for as much possession as we had. I couldn't really necessarily agree with saying we were unlucky to go in level. I think Shrewsbury had that opening period where they were the same. They put us under pressure. Didn't create anything. We had the rest of the first half in terms of possession, but again, 
didn't create anything and didn't have a real chance to to take the lead. I think the only thing we did create was the there's a couple of really good crosses from Bennett out wide where you're, I'm th- I was watching it thinking if there's a Ross Stewart in the box, you know, <laughs> yeah. he probably gets on the end yeah. of those. So and that's to be expected. We didn't have a striker on the pitch and Shrewsbury sat very deep, so it was difficult to to create anything. And it was once you know Stewart came on later in the game when we had a focal point and those attacking midfielders had something to play off that we actually broke them down a little bit better. And I felt a bit sorry for Bennett in that respect. You know, you've just hit the nail on the head about Bennett that, you know, you've got this out-and-out winger who loves taking his fullback on, loves getting to the byline, loves loves crossing the ball in. But the point where Bennett had a perfect foil in the middle to to win those balls, Bennett was brought off as he was brought off. So... It's almost like the, the the point of the way Bennett plays, he needs that player who's going to be on the end of those things, but he never had that in the in the hour that he played and we almost replaced him with a, with someone who was going to get on the end of what he was going to produce. So I felt a bit sorry for Bennett because I think I think he's going to be a cracking player and, you know, everything about him just, you know, is exciting. But at the minute, he's, I don't know, he's not getting the kind of rub of the green when he's in the side and how he's getting those minutes. So, yeah, it'll be interesting now like to see how his second half of the season goes. I'd like to see him play with Stewart, definitely. I think, yeah, um, definitely, definitely. you know, you just said it there about how he likes to take his man on. In 1v1 situations, I don't think we've got anybody better, actually. Mm. It just, when he's shaping up the fullback and running at them, he's so quick that they can't keep up with him. And you put Ross Stewart in the box, I think he probably gets a couple of assists today. But I think you'll get, you know, we've got to be patient with him because he's a bit of a project player. I don't think, Having came from where he's came from, he was playing in the Costa Rican league, eighteen year old. He probably wasn't expecting to play a great amount of football this year, anyways. And we'd probably be flogging him if we were throwing him in every week. So you know, we're probably not going to say the best from him until another eighteen months, two years. Then you'll really see what he's he's about. But it's you know little moments like that where you you can see the the ability, and you can see what he what he can offer us, and you know. One of the good things about staying in the FA Cup is that players like that are going to get a chance in the games. So hopefully that can be his the, the platform he needs maybe to show what he can do because it's difficult because Jack Clark's just ahead of him at the minute and yeah. he isn't unless Clark gets injured. I can't see Bennett getting many chances to start games, and that's not a really a slight on him because whenever he's came on, he's certainly never let himself down. And I think he had a good hour actually. He was all right. But yeah, the second half was much like the first at the start of it. We we had all of the ball. We didn't do a lot with it. We were lacking a little bit of end product. Um, I think Mowbray had seen enough by about the 56th, 57th minute. He brought on Clark and Stewart. Uh, like you say, probably a little bit harsh on Bennett. And Bars played a lot of football recently, so I'm not despondent about him making way. And uh, it gave us something a little bit different up front, didn't it, with Ross Stewart on there and suddenly you could see the Shrewsbury defenders worrying a little bit because obviously, you know, when you think of Sunderland, they're doing their prep work, they're probably thinking of Ross Stewart, they're thinking, oh God, he's a nightmare to play against. He just, he never gives in. And the last thing you want to see after you've had the run around for an hour is him coming on really. But um, yeah, we continue to have loads of the ball and it was sort of around that time when you saw the likes of Ahmad and Roberts really come into the game because they suddenly had somebody to play off. Their goalkeeper then had to make like a load of, I mean, he was their best player by a mile. I think the last half an hour he was outstanding. I feel he's, it's a little bit harsh on him that he conceded twice because he their goalkeeper was really, really good. I think once we started working him, he, he earned his money and he made some really good saves. And it was a it was a weird period in the game because just as we looked like we were about to score, they got a goal. And it was from a corner, which we know we're weak from corners, but I don't think Alex Bass covered him in selling in glory, did he? The goalkeeper, I think he was he could have done better there. Roberts probably should have done better. He was a little bit weak. What did you think of their goal and the way it came about? Horrible. Horrible. Yeah. Like, just like just like the game in general, just a horrible goal. The goal screamed Shrewsbury, basically. <laughs> um, it was like that that sort of goal. But we, we didn't deal with it because they, they did something similar to us where they they bunched their players up just inside the box and then just before the, the taker was going to knock the corner in, they kind of just split off in all different directions. And it's, it's funny, we, we just didn't deal with it. And you could see that we didn't know how to handle it and players didn't know who was marking who. And it, it was it was actually, a, it wasn't a great ball in. 
it, it was a low ball without that much pace on it to the to the front post. And when he headed it, it didn't have that much pace on it, and it just ended up going into the far corner. But yeah, we we, we didn't deal with um, Shrewsbury the way they set up on corners. We didn't deal with that very well, and and we kind of paid the price. But it was ju- it was just horrible goal. The goalkeeper didn't take kind of command of the area. We didn't win that first ball. Yeah, Roberts, that was a bit weird on the back post. What some whatever happened there, that was a bit weird. But yeah, just a sloppy goal. And again, I mean. We're kind of repeating ourselves because we, we talked about the Blackpool goal and I know it was different. It wasn't from a corner, but it seems like when we concede, we shoot ourselves in the foot. It's not, yeah. we don't kind of force teams to do, you know, a, a brilliant touch or a brilliant pass or something fantastic. We end up being sloppy and we concede. So it's slightly concerning, you know, there was the Blackpool goal. And so, yeah, we, we need to cut these sloppy moments out at the back. Yeah, yeah, it was poor. I think Bast, you know, you can maybe give him a little bit of leeway. He hasn't played much football, but I, I actually think generally he was all right. In terms of like how our goalkeepers are expected to play, he was part of the sort of defence and kept the ball moving. I thought with his feet, his distribution and stuff was actually quite good. I was actually watching him thinking he's actually a lot better than Patterson is with moving the ball around, but... Yeah. His command of his area wasn't good enough on that occasion. He'll be, he'll be upset with that because he's getting a chance to play. Hadn't really had a great deal to do and then just... just I think to me, I, I, I'm, <laughs> with goalkeepers, I like to see them clean people out. I, when there's a ball coming yeah. into the box, I want to see him jump with his knees up, with his arms in the air, win the ball, take two or three lads out, drop to the deck <laughs> with a ball clutched into his chest and, and sort of crack on from there. And I don't know whether it's been coached out of goalkeepers because every all the, all of them are expected to be like sweepers these days, really, aren't they? But that's what I want to see a goalkeeper do. And I never sit. I don't know if it's just our goalkeepers, but Patterson doesn't do it either. Patterson is a cracking goalkeeper, but the amount of times where he just stands still on his line and doesn't doesn't clean a couple of players out winds us up. I don't, I don't get it. It's quite a modern thing with keepers, isn't it? Yeah, and, and I completely agree. If if Basket transfer his distribution to Patterson somehow <laughs> that'd be fantastic because I have to be honest with, with Patterson and I think he's a I think he's a keeper he's got loads of potential and he's a fantastic shot stopper he is a cracking shot stopper you you hit anything at Patterson and it takes something to to get past him if it's you know well usually but again you know going back to Blackpool I was disappointed <laughs> with that goal how he wasn't <laughs> that goal but he, he he made some he made a crack and save uh, I think that that one against Blackburn I'm thinking about that um stop Blackburn from taking the lead but yeah he's he is a good shot stopper but I do worry about Patterson on distribution I worry about him on how he commands his area and Patterson's got a lot to work on which which is it it's a good thing because of how good he is and he's still got stuff to work on it's not a bad thing in some respects, but there are there are things that Patterson needs to improve on. But uh, yeah, if he could if he could somehow nick uh, Bass's di- distribution, that would help out because there was a couple of times he pinged the ball out right to someone's feet on the on the touchline, and it really it actually it really got us going and kind of yeah it, it had a counter attack because it it got past their midfield a couple of times. Yeah, what what did you make of the way we reacted to that goal then? Because Mowbray immediately brought on Chris Rigg, fifteen year old, for his debut. <laughs> I'm sat there thinking he doesn't want to win this game. He's just going to throw this kid on and give him some minutes. It had the opposite effect, though. You know, we 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 did crack on. But what was your feeling when he did that? Well, I think there was two things that happened. Obviously, we made the change, and actually, to be fair, Rig he injected a bit of energy in because yeah. he was he was sprinting all over. I mean, he never jogged. I don't think when the whole time he was on the well, pitch. That, that's just... the that's the biggest moment of his life, isn't it? When you yeah, think about it, but, you know. But you can imagine Tony Mowbray's words just saying that we're one nil down at Shrewsbury in the FA Cup, he's got ten minutes and he's got absolutely nothing to lose. You yeah. know, just just go out and you know, there's absolutely zero pressure, we're getting beat. So, you know, just go out and have an impact on the game. And like I said, he came on, he just like I said, I don't think he really jogged. He was he was sprinting, he, he made that run to win the corner. He was winning the ball. But the other thing that happened, obviously, and I've touched on it a couple of times, that as soon as Shrewsbury had something to hang on to, I mean, they, they were deep anyway, but actually they dropped another 10 yards. I mean, they were virtually on top of, what, that 10 minutes they were trying to hang on to that goal. They were virtually on on top of their keeper. And all it kept doing was coming back out. Dan Neal kept going and picking it up. And then he kept kind of bringing it forward. And it was just about, 
how could we break that wall down that they had put on the edge of their box on the well mm. ended up on the penalty spot almost almost on the six yard box. <laughs> the thing is, when it comes into those scenarios, it ends up being can you get a deflection off someone's backside or or something like that, and you just get it into dangerous areas and and eventually, amazingly, off a corner, we end up getting it. <laughs> Yeah, I was a little bit interested by how they responded as well to, to scoring because what they did is after a couple of minutes has brought another defender on, they took an attacking player off, yeah, they threw yeah. another defender. Psychologically, that totally changes the mentality of both teams. If I'm a Sunderland player and I see them taking a midfielder off, an attacking midfielder and throwing a defender on, I'm thinking the the panicking a bit here because it wasn't immediately after scoring. It was, I don't know, it was probably about five minutes or so after they got that goal. So... Psychologically, that changes things a lot. Sunderland players are probably thinking, we can do this, you know, they're worrying. And the Shrewsbury players are thinking, oh God, we're under a little bit of pressure here. That's getting, you know, they're starting to panic a little bit. And for that five minute period, we were totally all over them. We worked the goalkeeper another couple of times, kept going, kept going, which I was a little bit surprised at because, again, I just, for some reason, although we played quite well in, in spells, I wasn't. Really sure whether we wanted this or not. Like I was sat there at one 0 down, thinking, "Sod a replay! I don't want to replay. I don't want yeah. to play these at the <laughs> stadium alive." I'd ru- <laughs> no. I was. I actually. Put, I actually put in our group chat. I said, "This is pretty much the best way to go out because we played pretty well. We'd been hit with a sucker punch, and lots of players got minutes. And you would have been sat there at one 0 if we'd got beat one 0 saying, well, no, we're not really bothered. We're out. I'd rather that than a replay. We didn't do too badly.'" So I was I was pretty <laughs> happy at that stage for us to just go out because I thought, well, if we score, we're going to have to play them again. And I think somebody pointed out the replay would be three days before the Middlesbrough game, which is looking like a really important game for us. So I was thinking, well, I don't really want to play them again. But uh, our persistence paid off. Rig was involved, wasn't he, with the, the, yeah. the, the move which won Down us the, the corner. And I can't remember if Jack Clark's taken a set piece this season. But it was a cracking. Yeah. We, we, I, th- I think if him and Pritchard are on the pitch at the same time, we might be wise to let Clark take some of them because that was one of the the best corners I've seen us take all season. Whipped into a dangerous area, Ross Stewart, who's six foot four, and you're looking at him and you're thinking, why don't we just do that more often? But there we go. <laughs> um, whipped it in. Ross Stewart heads it in. One all, and with two three minutes left, it's a case of. Well, let's go and win it. We don't. The players were probably thinking we don't want to replay. We don't have to play these again. <laughs> so let's go for it. And we um, actually, before we move on, let's quickly talk about the goal. Get your thoughts on that. Then, so the the corner and the the header, pretty routine sort of headed goal from a corner, but it isn't routine because it's Sunderland and we we just what's the first one we've scored all season. We've probably I think the last time it was mentioned we'd taken a hundred corners without scoring from one. That's probably got to be more around 110, 120 by now. So finally scored from a corner. Is this now Sunderland looking up, do you think, maybe? Well, it, it was about as simple as it gets, like you said, wasn't it? I mean, it wasn't, it, it didn't even look like a, a special routine. It was just hmm. get it into a, get it into a great area, stick some pace on it. Stewart didn't have to do that much with it because it no. was six yards out. The, there was the pace on the ball. All you had to do was, put it in the direction of the goal and likely it was going in the back of the net and that, that's how it turned out but it just goes to show you know you talk about you look at all these you know fantastic or you know complicated kind of set place players where you've got all the players lining up on the edge of the box you've got people splitting off into different directions sometimes it's it's just a case of getting the ball into a dangerous area and getting players, getting players in those areas. If you smash the ball like that, if you put a fantastic ball with loads of pace across the box, across the six-yard box, where the goalkeeper doesn't want it, and you've got players there, likelihood is you're going to score from it. Yeah. I mean, it's it's mm-hmm. a it's as simple as that. Sometimes, sometimes you don't have to make it complicated, and you don't have to come up with these routines. Sometimes, just the emphasis is on the and and you've talked about Pritchard on corners this season, which I think sometimes has been part of the problem. And if you've got someone like Clark who can put in a ball like that, if you can do that consistently, then we'll end up having set pieces as as a weapon that we've got moving into the second half of the season because not many teams can defend balls like that into the box. No, no. And the goalkeeper at that point in the game is probably thinking, don't take a risk because 
if I take a risk, they might score from it. So you're right what you're saying. I think obviously depending on what time of the game it is and how the game's poised at that point there, one all, it's an injury time. They're probably a little bit worried about what's coming and the goalkeeper's a little bit hesitant and that it worked to our advantage. You can't whip the ball into that area every time you take a corner, but you're right. Sometimes that's all you need because sometimes we're a little bit guilty of overthinking it. Sometimes we'll play it to the back post and we'll have someone waiting there for it and then it'll get headed to the edge of the box and then it gets worked back out of it. And you just think, why aren't we just fizzing it into a dangerous area? I mean, I know we've got a small team, but they're not all small. Ross Stewart's a goal scorer. You put that on his head in them situations and he will score. So, you know, I I just think sometimes it's a lot easier than we make it out to be. But sometimes, you know, when when you're playing balls like that, again, with, with that pace, the whip on the ball, Sometimes it's not about, well, okay, don't get us wrong, height is always a, an advantage, but sometimes it's about how much you want it. Yeah. And mm-hmm. but and, and if you look at our team, actually, part of the issue isn't, you know, is on one hand, it is the height, but on another hand is how many players have we got in the, in the team who you know for a fact want to attack the ball, like yeah, the, the yeah. ball in the mm-hmm. box like that. And if you've only got, if you've only got two or three, actually, you, you are struggling. If you've got, if you end up with four or five who want to attack that ball, then you're in a good place. And you, you've got the if if those even the smaller players, you know, even like Luke O'Neill, Luke O'Neill's not big, but you know for a fact he wants he wants to win that ball probably more than any other player on the pitch. <laughs> so if you put the if you put the ball into a good area and you've got players like that, then you've got every chance of getting something from it. Nice little segue of that. It's almost like we planned it because Luke O'Neill was the, uh, <laughs> the he was the the winner on this occasion. Lovely little pass across by Ahmad, just so cool and calm and collected. Knocks it across the edge of the six-yard, 18-yard line even. And Wanayan with his right foot, bats it into the bottom corner. Great strike, wasn't it? Like, a really good strike, but you're right. Sometimes it's about how much do you want it. Other players in that situation might have took a touch and passed it to somebody. And uh, he sensed the opportunity and hit it. And that's the other side of his game. We're seeing how good a defender he is. We're seeing how good he is at attacking the ball, at passing the ball out from the back. But he's also pretty handy at the other end. He has scored goals for us. Not loads, but he has scored goals for us. And um, to be honest, there's nobody I would have wanted more to score that goal than him because he's deserved it this season. I think that might be his first goal. And uh, he's been outstanding, particularly in the last month or so. He's been easily our best player. And yeah, just a nice moment for Luke O'Neill to be able to get that goal. Is is there anything Luke O'Neill can't do at the minute? I mean, to, to be fair, I, yeah. I, I mean honestly, he, he's gone from he's gone from at the, the you know at one point at the start of the season, people questioning, saying, "Well," and, and I, I was the same, wondering where Luke O'Neill fit in with how we were going to approach the championship. Thinking, is he a squad player? How does he fit in? What is his position? And, and to be honest, sometimes it it doesn't matter <laughs> because of, because of what he's doing. I would say now that you know, probably barring Ross Stewart because he's the only person and he's a fantastic striker and the only one we've got in that position, Luke Nine's probably one of the first names on that team sheet at the minute for Tony Mowbray. Oh, and yeah, yeah. He, he's he's absolutely he's kind of vital to. I mean, you saw actually at times Luke Nine, and sometimes he realizes this in other games, but you saw Luke Nine known for a fact that we we didn't have that tempo, we didn't have that, and and Luke Nine tries to build us up. He tries to, he'll put in that tackle or he'll, I mean, there was one occasion where he completely and utterly bailed Bailey Wright out. And I think it was the substitute, the kid who was on loan from Crystal Palace to, to Shrewsbury came on street, I think it was. And he tore Bailey Wright apart down that right hand side. And he just went past yeah. him. Like Bailey Wright looked like he was, he was running treacle. He was torn a caravan or something, wasn't he? And then, <laughs> and then Luke O'Neill came out of nowhere and he gained like 10 yards on the lad yeah. and ended up ended up winning a goal kick by backhailing it off his legs. But he's, he's become that sort of player where, he, whether it's a tackle, whether it's a header, whether it's a goal today, or whether it's a pass, he just seems to be at the minute the person who almost tries to dictate the way, how quickly we're playing, how, how we actually, you know, start off from the back. And I just think he's... Yeah, I can't say enough about him at the minute. He's gone from being that question mark in this squad to being one of the first names on the team sheet. And I can't speak highly enough of him at the minute. 
It's taken five seasons, but I think now he's finally proven himself to people who were never gonna he was never gonna win over, sorry. It feels like he's finally proven to those people that he's the player that a lot of fans have seen him as for a long time. Like I, I love him. I've always liked him. You know, I just think that every good Sunderland team that I've seen in my lifetime, and there haven't been many, let's be honest, but every good Sunderland <laughs> team that I've seen in my lifetime has had a Luke O9 in it. It's had a player who will play anywhere you ask him to play without any question, who gives a hundred million, ten million percent, whatever. He gives everything and would run through brick walls and bleeds red and white and all those other cliches and whatever. But he is all of those things. He's just... You can't have a squad of Amads. You can't have a squad of Ross Stewart. You need people like Luke O'Neill. And you, you find me a team in the championship who wouldn't take him and have him in the squad. They'd all love him because it's not just about what he brings on the pitch, which he brings an awful lot, but... I mean, you have somebody like that in your squad. Imagine the the effect he has on people he works with every day, who are around him every day. He's setting standards that other players aren't capable of, and he makes them better. Especially in a young, I mean, he's now, he's now probably, other than a handful of players, he's probably one of the most experienced players we've got. People forget he's been here five seasons, so he's now in a in a very young squad, one of the more experienced players. And those young players are looking for people to learn off and looking up to other players. And they're looking at Luke O'Neill. They've got to be because he just sets the standard, and that's the thing. And when you when you need a goal with two minutes to go in, in the third round of the FA Cup, you can bet there's nobody wants to score more than he does. Whether he's playing left back, centre half, right back, wherever in goal, I'm sure he'd play in goal if you asked him to. So I'd love to be able to sit and talk more about Luke O'Neill all night because I can't say enough about him. Like you've just said, can't say enough about him. He is brilliant and doesn't get enough credit technically a, a lot better than anyone will ever give him credit for like you you said there about setting the, the tempo the way we play out from the back and stuff you know his range of passing the fact that he can score goals like that he's such a commodity to us and the thing is is I know we've got lads out injured we've got Alicia Alicia Cirk and Bath all out missing at the minute None of them are going to take his shirt off him, not without a fight, you know. And that's the thing: you want players like that battling, driving the standards. Those lads who would usually expect to just play, they've got to really work hard just to take his spot in the side. And oh, I just wish we had another ten of them, really. <laughs> well, j- just to, I mean, look, there's always going to be at the minute, and I mentioned it earlier on. There's always going to be this question mark on on where where is Luke Nine's best position, and I, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. But like at the moment, the way he's playing and the impact he's having on the team, I don't care. Yeah, it's I was about to say, does it matter a, really? Yeah. No, that's it. And it's a matter that at the moment, the way the, the impact he's having on people around him is that he has to be in the team and and that's kind of the bottom line at the moment and the this this kind of almost well it seems to me like a bit of a hybrid position it's just it's not quite a center half it's not quite that full back and we've got him pushing up and and getting involved with the forward play as well as doing that job at the back it's seeming it, it's kind of suiting him at the moment but uh yeah like it, again it's going to be another interesting one to see how it pans out and what position he takes up when when these players come back but he, well from from my point of view he's he's got to be involved yeah I, i'd i would never not want him in my team if he's fit he plays like <laughs> you know th- this is a this is a lad who played with a dislocated shoulder for about two months like <laughs> he, he he really does love this club loves playing for us and You've got to recognise sometimes where he's come from as well because he he was part of a of an academy. He was he was at Watford. He got released at sixteen, and how many players in that situation just drop out the game completely? Lads a lot more talented than him. I can think of people who've been at Sunderland who had the world at their feet and are probably not even playing now. You know, or are playing for like in the Wearside League or the Northern League. You know, he, he could have gave up, but he's so mentally strong and. He just wanted to. He wanted to make sure that didn't define him, and he he carried on. He played non-league football, and there's so many examples of lads who worked their way up from non-league, who are just like Luke O'Neill, who've got that same attitude. They never give up because you know it's it's in his DNA to not give up. And it, it probably sounds like I'm being a bit soft, but 
I just think I just think that you know you should never write him off you should never doubt him I think if we end up in the Premier League he'll be there playing because he won't let us not give him that opportunity <laughs> it's just the way he is and uh, yeah I can't I can't say enough about him and it was just lovely to see him score that goal because I think his performances this season have been brilliant but he's he's had to play in defence and it, it, it's meant he hasn't had an impact at the other end of the pitch especially since the set pieces have been so crap and stuff so yeah really nice to see him score and I think um, good mo- it was nice to see him at the end with the fans as well wasn't it just quickly to, to change the subject from our Luke 9 loving. Um, as much <laughs> no, as I'm I, I just want to. We, we've gone for another hour doing this. It's great. <laughs> but the, what, one player I do want to mention, I mentioned them earlier on, is um, it's a big concern. And the and and again, we've got players who are going to come back. But the the form of Bailey Wright since he's come back from the World Cup, for me, he he had a couple of moments at Blackpool where you were a little bit worried. He looked. He didn't look. It kind of. He didn't look almost match fit in some ways he just looked off the pace and he did um he did again today you wouldn't you wouldn't think he was only 30 would you he, he plays like no, somebody sort of who yeah. looks at the tail end of his career he's a little bit slow but I don't, I don't know if the world cups had an impact on him or whether mm. i might have said earlier i might have said that you know has the step up to the championship is that maybe too much for him now, but, but then this he struggled was a, today. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And, and so I, yeah, I don't know. I, like I said, I, I'm hoping it's kind of you know the World Cup and maybe not having as much football this season's probably had a big impact on him. But um, I mean, what he did for us last season, and and he's been he's had spells where he's been brilliant for us. So I mean, you know, I think he's I think you know I've always had this feeling he's a good squad player, but at the moment he's, his form doesn't seem great. Let's be honest, he wouldn't be playing if people were fit. You know, mm. he's playing out of necessity, isn't he? Who else have we got, really? We yeah. didn't have a centre half on the bench today. You know, he's he's probably played the last three games through pure necessity. I was expecting him to leave this month. I was thinking we'll probably bring in, yeah. maybe bring in another defender, a full back or something, and let him go because with Ballard or Nye and Bat and Alicia, do you need Bailey Wright? I don't think you do. The the, the tough thing for me is is he's such a good character. All you see on all these like um, the interviews and the sort of behind the scenes stuff with, that the club put out, Bailey Wright's a really popular player. The other players love him. This is just like around the training ground on you know a really big character, and you have to wonder like how much of that would be lost without him there. Do you keep a player around as a mas- basically as a mascot, or do you let them crack on? I think at his stage in his career, he's thirty, and once these players come back fit and it might be before the end of the month he's probably in a position where he might be thinking I probably need to go and play maybe down a league and get regular football I think he's just very fortunate at the minute we've got injuries because if those players were fit then I I, I don't think he'd be anywhere near the team he's he's now fifth choice at centre half so I, I think at some if it's not January in the summer he'll be gone and it won't be because he's uh, you know there's anything particularly wrong with them. I just think we're we are developing at such a rate that players like Bailey Wright are just just not good enough anymore for Sunderland. And yeah. it's it, we are gonna lose a few popular players like that. The thing would just to go back to Luke O'Neill and you know, that could have defined him. He could have been a Bailey Wright. A lot of people were like, Yeah, he's not good enough for the championship. We need to move on. And yeah, he's got a couple of years on Bailey Wright, so he can he can afford to, you know, have a little bit more time. But Luke O'Neill's just not let that define him and he's he's shown you know I can play at this level I think Bailey Wright's at a different stage of his career he's not over the hill but he's, he is 30 and he's probably looking at it going yeah I probably need to drop a league and play for somebody else bit, maybe, yes. bit, a bit like Flanagan like Flanagan last January you know I think I think it looked even though he played a lot of football for us last January when when we sold him and it was a bit last minute I was like I can actually say the logic in that because he's probably not good enough for a promotion chasing team and that's a little bit where I'm at. We're right. I'm. I, I don't. I didn't think he was good enough for a bottom end championship team. And now we're fighting towards the top end of it. You're just sort of looking at it and, and and the way the whole team plays, the way we we try. He's not that type of defender either. He's not really a ball player. Maybe we've just outgrown him a little bit quickly. Yeah. Well, yeah. It felt to me like that. That's one of the reasons all nine's playing in that kind of strange role where it's. It's not an orthodox fullback because we almost want to play three at the back. Yeah, and 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 even then, a couple of times, like I said, we we nearly got caught and O'Nine had to cover. Um, but yeah, yeah, and it, 
I mean, we'll see how much he plays because we've got, like you said, we've got a whole host of players who, who are going to come back in the next month or so. So, you know, I, I don't mind if Bailey Wright is here as a squad player. He's, if, if Bailey Wright wasn't there, what would we do? We might be in a bit of bother because we, yeah. we haven't got the cover because we've lost so many players. So I'm quite comfortable with that. I just, I think Bailey Wright, we've seen him play better than he's playing at the minute. So we'll, we'll see what happens. Yeah, um, noticed a tweet from Phil Smith about Leon Diakou. It says, uh, Tony Mowbray told me after the game that Leon Diakou was due to start the game up front but picked up an injury in training. So Ahmad had to come in. So Ahmad wasn't meant to start. So it was meant to be, yeah. I guess, Diakou playing as the as the front man. Uh, he also said Jamie Tetia was also in the starting 11 initially, but Mowbray feels it's a great loan move and the right thing for the player. That moves us on to Matetti, actually. Something I want to touch on quickly before we go. He's been allowed to go. Mowbray thinks it's a great loan move and the right thing for the player. Do you think it's the right thing for him? Do you think it's the right time to let him go? I don't. I don't know. It's it's a strange one. From a from a purely thinking from from a club point of view, I'd prefer I prefer to have him. I prefer I, I want him as an option. I think he's I think he's come on and, and a couple of times he's looked like he's he's picked us up a, a couple of times and he's he's kind of had an impact from the bench and mm. a couple of times we, we've spoken in the past thinking well you know it's interesting why he didn't get a start and because he, he had an impact in one game and then suddenly he's back on the bench and he's, he hasn't been given a, a place in the start in 11 and I would have liked to have seen him give him more opportunities and you know with our injuries and our options in there I would have liked to have had Matete in the squad as an option I, I think it's a good move for him I think he'll go to Plymouth and I think it's a fantastic move for Plymouth. Actually, I think I think it's a great signing from Plymouth. I think they'll see a player and he'll make a difference to them, and he'll be great um, at that level. But I'd actually prefer to to have him as someone who can make an impact for us. I can see it from both sides. Great move for him. Great move for Plymouth. I think more football for him. Plymouth will get. will do well out of it. Mm. I, I don't. How much does it really benefit us? Really, I, I'm not mm. so sure. It's, it, every player is different. I think. I, you know, you look. Sort of the the way we handled um, Elliot Embleton when we let him go out to Blackpool, and it was the making of him in a way because I thought, oh, well, he's not going to make it here. Went to Blackpool, had a good loan spell, came back, and we can sit and talk about whether he's good enough for us or not. But he is. Ever since that loan, he's been a part of the first team squad, where a lot of people thought, well, he's probably not good enough. Maybe that's the crack. Maybe you know he goes there, plays. I don't know how many games they've got left. Twenty odd games. They, they win the league, he gets promoted, and then we reassess it and we go, is he good enough for where we're headed? Or is this a good time to cash in? Will Plymouth put money our way and think this is the player we want in the championship? Could be that, you know. I think I think the timing's weird. I think, we, in my mind, the loan moves are always going to be there for the players. Like, Matete would have got a loan to Plymouth on the last day of the window, really. If they'd really wanted him, they would have hung on. But I don't know. Maybe it was just a case of we we felt it was beneficial to get someone out to bring someone in. Maybe that you know by the time this pod goes out, we could have brought a player in or around this time. So I I, I always think that if you're going to let somebody go, you should have someone coming in as well. So maybe that's the crack. I don't know. Well, I'm I'm sure we've got a clause in there to to bring him back. I I doubt we've you know loaned him to Plymouth without that option of bringing him back whenever we want. Because look, we've had loads of injuries. I don't think we particularly want Evans to play Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday. I don't, I'm not sure he's kind of capable of that. For, yeah. You know, he's not capable of that for the rest of the season. He's going to be pulled out at some do, point. Do you, not think, do you not think that Mowbray... Sorry to cut in. Do you not think that Mowbray sees Dan Neal as a replacement for Evans? Because he's played there ahead. He's played that Evans role in the last few weeks. And I actually think he's done really well there. Like, I've been a bit of a... I, I wouldn't say I've, um, I'm not a fan of Dan Neal, but... There's been times where I've sat the season and be like, well, I'm waiting to see what he can do. And he's actually been better since Evans came out the team through injury, playing in his position. So maybe that's the crack. Maybe we see him as the replacement for Evans in there. And then you have maybe Michu and another to come in, playing that sort of role next to him. It's, it is interesting. Dan Neal's had a massive learning curve this season. It's his first first time at this level in the Championship. And I mean, it's fair to say he's had his moments in that first half of the season where he, he's made, you know, he's made big errors. He got sent off at uh, Bramall Lane. Uh, he made a couple of other errors around that time as well. But I tell you what, I think he's almost needed that. And, and it's weird because 
we've talked about him. We've wondered whether he's needed pulling out at times, given a rest. I think I, I, I might have talked about that at one point. But it, it's we just kept putting him in, putting him in, putting him in. And I think now all of that is paying off because mm-hmm. he's, he's just learning. So He's soaking it up all season. And I think now the, the last couple of games, and as you've said, Evans has come out and he's just stepped up again. And I think he stepped it up to, to that next level where he's always played that, right, I, I'm the young kid in midfield and I'm going to play as an understudy to an older player. Yeah. But now he now he looks like the experienced player, but he's he's keeping everything tidy like an experienced player. Yeah. And he's he's learned he's learned that this season. And I think he's going to come out of this season so much better player because he's because we've we've just kept putting him in saying, nope, you're going to keep learning. Mm-hmm. And actually we've just I think we've almost said that we've almost I think the management at the club have accepted he is going to make mistakes. But he's going to be a fantastic player because of it. Yeah, we're not punishing him for them. Um yeah. quickly back to the game then, uh man of the match. I gave it a Luke 09 in my yeah. Pete's on the site, the match day musings. Andy gave it to Luke O'Nine in the ratings. <laughs> the the Twitter followers gave it to Luke O'Nine. <laughs> are you going to be the uh, contrarian, or are you going to agree? No, but we're, I'm not. We're not going to have that, you know, fifteen minute <laughs> loving about Luke O'Nine, and I'm going to give man the match to someone else. I will say though that for me, um, Dan Neil probably was the one who ran him close. I'd probably have Dan Neil next. Yeah, Patrick Roberts got uh, second place on Twitter. Patrick Roberts. Uh, it, it would be Dan Neil for me. Roberts was a bit frustrating at the time, but but he got plenty of the ball. But yeah, I mean, Luke and I'm way out in front, but for me, I think absolutely fantastic. Brilliant. Yep. Yeah, uh, we'll quickly read out some three-word reviews from the Rotor Report Twitter account. Every game we uh, ask you lot to give us your three-word reviews of the game. Uh, I saw Sean says Luke O'Nion. Uh, Adam Baker, Luke fucking O'Neill. <laughs> SCFC Houston says Luke's laser blaster. Andrew J says absolutely fucking class. John hashtag fuck the Tories says that's escalated quickly. Um, Sun until I die says never in doubt. Macam Drivel says we need strikers. Keith Cowden says Wembley Hotel booked. And uh, first name underscore bunch of numbers <laughs> says never gave up. First name, bunch of numbers. You get two goals, I guess. Uh, says Chris Rig Effect. And uh, we'll end on Mark Hume, who says, stole that game. So, yeah, everybody's happy and everybody's smiling. We're in the hat. Jack and that Wembley book in, Jack, and he's done two. One for the playoffs and one for the FA Cup? Or, or just the one? Probably both known Sunderland fans. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, I, I, I would love it. I'll be honest. We, it's been a, it's been a while since we had an FA Cup run. I wouldn't mind one. It would be nice. We're not going down our so let's just do it. Why not? For those three lucky people who read uh, read the preview, it was our first appearance in the FA Cup <laughs> third round for five years today. So it's something something to celebrate that we actually Christ played in the third round. <laughs> and um, can you remember who that was against? Third round, our last appearance in the third round of the I FA Cup. I do know this, and it's oh, you'll have read the preview. I Come did, on. but I forgot. <laughs> Middlesbrough. But, oh yeah, bro. I said Bert, and then you cut yeah. in. Yeah, yeah. Middlesbrough two, <laughs> two nil. And I think it was um, when we play in the fourth round. It's going to be our fourth, first fourth round appearance since twenty fifteen. Mm. So for eight years. I was so, at that, I was at that Borough game by the way it was horrendous it was the yeah, yeah. I think we had I think we had Billy Jones centre half which just about sums it up Stockdale in charge wasn't it yeah it wasn't great it wasn't great um, no, bad times so yeah I, but one last thing because this has been a topic of debate in our group chat on, on WhatsApp if we got drawn against Newcastle would you relish it or not <laughs> yeah but um, I don't know whether you're asking the wrong person because I'm someone who apps who Suffers pain in like with, <laughs> with a derby, like just I'm it, the opposite. I it, go in it, with war paint it, on with a uh, you it know, just with ta- sword and everything. Just, I love it. It it takes over my whole life, like when it <laughs> like when it's coming, and I just I just feel pain because it's just worry and stress and all that sort of stuff. But um, but but the the one the point that it raises though is that actually you know winning a horrible game at Shrewsbury could lead to some sort of magical moment that's coming down the line, you know, a fourth round, you know, the let's say, you know, the mags at home, you know, one of the big boys at home or whatever, and we, we, we kind of have a blinder and, you know, have one of those days that we remember for 20 years. So it, it's weird how, you know, a last minute 
Luke Ryan goal in a smelly game at Shrewsbury might potentially lead to something spectacular if we get the right draw. It would be nice to get a good draw. Like we we just seem to get crap draws every time we. Yeah, it doesn't matter what trophy it is. It's always a rubbish. It's either a team we've already played loads, or somebody in the same league. I just want to. I want something that we can really get our teeth into. You know what I would love, and I, it's been a long time since we had it. it just a, a, a cup draw away, maybe at a, a like a non-league team. Or even at the stadium, like against a non-league team, where it's just something a bit different. Or if not that, like a big team coming to the stadium alight and packing the place out would be lovely. But, you know, you, you don't get to pick... You're, you're shaking your head. <laughs> and, well, no, I, I completely agree. It'll be it'll be Burnley yeah. or Redden or Preston. <laughs> Aye. It'll be it'll be someone like that. Someone yeah. where... A team that we just can't be bothered to play. We don't want we don't want to play. Yeah. We don't get it'll any fun, like do we? It's never... It's never nah. I know you don't get to... Handpick who you play, but it would be nice to get that look eventually. I, I must caveat, by the way. I asked you whether we should, um, whether you'd relish playing Newcastle. They're actually playing as we record, so by the time this goes out, <laughs> they might be, they might be out the cup, anyways. <laughs> nah, it's Wednesday. They'll win. <laughs> uh, right, we'll end it there. We've blabbered on long enough, a lot longer than normal. Uh, but yeah, if you've lasted this long, thank you very much, listeners. Cheers, Chris. Thanks for joining us again. No bother. Cheers, mate. And uh, cheers, everybody, for listening. We'll be back with a pod around the Swansea game. We might be back on the preview trail by then. We'll see. We don't know. We're still sort of in the Christmas mood at the minute. Um, but if not, we'll be back with a post-match one. Make sure you check our wrote report .com, right through the week, and we'll catch you later. Cheers. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.